0: down through the last 2,000 years, some Christian men and women have suffered more than what you and I'll ever go through. And they paid the ultimate cost of living for Jesus. They paid it with their life blood. They're martyrs for Jesus. Well, tonight, would you take your Bible, please, and open to the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, find your way to chapter 27, Matthew 27. Matthew chapter 27. And I'd like to get your help in reading one verse of this chapter, just one, and that's verse number 29. Verse 29. So you may keep your seats, but I'd like you to lift your voice and read verse 29 out loud together with me now. Let's do it. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, our loving Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding tonight to catch a glimpse, to see a little bit more what this verse is all about. We have a wonderful Savior, brave and strong and true, and he left heaven's glory and came to this sin-cursed world made in the likeness of human flesh. God in the flesh. And He died for our sins on Calvary's cross. And that's just as true, as true then as it is today as it ever was. It's true. Dead, buried, yes. But on the third day, He rose again. Alive in bodily form. And He appeared unto so many people. Thank you for that wonderful day when we... Repented of our sin and received this very same Jesus into our hearts. What a difference it made. It made all the difference. And so we're gathered here tonight in obedience and in love and desire for fellowship. And we're here to celebrate that table, that table of the Lord, as it pictures his broken body and shed blood please increase our faith tonight. Father, we ask that if there be anyone here present tonight or perhaps watching online and they have not yet received the Lord Jesus as Savior, maybe they haven't understood their need of a Savior, that you'd please grant them the understanding and the faith to reach out and to ask Jesus to come into their heart. Lord, help us this year to hold the torch high and encourage others to come to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, it's very true that the Lord Jesus was humiliated, spat upon, beaten. He was mocked. Here the Roman soldiers, they did this horrible thing to him. Uh, They did quite a bit more, realize the scourging alone was enough to... To kill a man, the scourge was a whip, perhaps a wooden handle or a heavy, strong leather handle, and then all these long strips of leather. On the end of each would be tied a little piece of bone or metal. And then an experienced man would take one of these things and start flailing the flesh off the victim. That was scourging. Horrible, horrible. Uh, torture many people died uh, blood loss and trauma they died with the scourging so the crown of thorns was not the worst thing that happened to him but it's it's interesting here the world this is how the world treats jesus this is what the world thinks of jesus it's as if they're saying we will not have this man reign over us One day there is coming a political world leader. The Bible identifies him as Antichrist. And the world will take him in. They will hail him a hero. And yet his true colors are yet to be seen. He'll be a violent, wicked, vicious man as time goes on. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about this, in verse 29, this crown of thorns. So if you follow the scriptures carefully, they, they, they put together this thing, they platted this thing together, and a thorny vine was used, and they broke off perhaps a couple of pieces, and how they intertwine, and they fashioned a crown out of this. And this is what they put on his head. And they didn't put it on gently. Imagine a a thorn-studded crown put on your head and driven down. If you've ever picked a a rose, roses have thorns on the stem. Maybe you've gotten pricked by a thorn. Or perhaps it was from uh, a vine. Maybe uh, some uh, berry kind of vine, but it had thorns on it. And you didn't mean to, but, whoa, you got stuck. It's happened to me. Maybe it's happened to you, where you've gotten pricked by a a vine, and uh, it sure doesn't tickle. Um, It'll draw blood quite easily. And here they fashioned this sort of thing, and they put it together, and they stuck it on the Lord Jesus' head and probably jammed it down They didn't want it falling off. They mocked Him. They abused Him. But then they went to crucify Him. And they compelled Him to carry His own cross. When my wife and I were in Israel, we were in Jerusalem, and we walked what they call the Via Dolorosa. It means the way of sorrows. And it's the way that they figure that Christ walked all the way out to where they crucified him. And we had the opportunity to walk that same Via Della Rosa. And you can't help but think of the Savior and how he must have stumbled and bowed low under the weight of that heavy cross. But they drove him out and they crucified him. And the question is, what happened to the crown of thorns? Because as we read the scriptures, they put on him this scarlet robe and put a reed in his hand and they bowed the knee in um, really mocking gesture and they worshipped him, but they didn't worship him, they mocked him. But they took all these things off. There's no mention here of what happened to the crown of thorns. And there's been speculation. Many... Artists have rendered pictures, drawings and paintings of the Lord Jesus on the cross and on his head was the crown of thorns. And that may be. That's possible. But we've got no record as to what happened to that crown of thorns. Imagine with me for a moment that somehow you were standing there that day when they crucified your Savior. Your heart would be broken. Tears would be streaming down your cheeks. You'd be helpless. There's nothing you could do. The Roman guards with all of their military might would be holding people back. Anyone who dared step out of line would get the the taste of a sword, maybe, or spear, or club. Uh, That's what they did. Can you imagine yourself standing there maybe on the Via Della Rosa with crowd of other people and witnessing this, hearing the the lash of the whip as they whipped him and somehow he stumbled maybe right in front of you. What if he was wearing the crown and it came off of his head at that moment? It hit the ground and It rolled and stopped at your feet. Would you pick it up? I have a crown of thorns here. Show you a close up picture here now if you can't quite see it too well. But this is real thorn, thorny crown. I'm telling you, you grab hold of this thing the wrong way, you'll squeal. And perhaps, if you would mind a little bit of uh, sanctified imagination, let's pretend that this here was the crown that was on his head and it rolled and stopped at your feet. And you can't believe it, there's the crown. And so you reach down and you pick it up. And you know what? It's still got his blood on there. You can see it. Maybe you got a little on your fingers as you picked it up. It's dusty. Dirty. My question to you. Would it be precious to you? If you could have picked up the thorny crown that sat on his brow. If you could have picked it up, would you bring it home? Would it be precious? Would it be something that you would never part with all your life? Is it something that you would look at and remember that day when He was crucified? He wore that for me, you might say. My Savior did that for me. Crown of thorns. Who today walks around with a crown of thorns on? We know that kings and queens, they wear regal crowns. We looked at a picture this morning. But who walks around with one of these? A crown of thorns. The Lord Jesus didn't choose that for himself. The world gave this to him. That's what the world thinks of Jesus if this crown could speak what might it say if this were the crown of thorns that jesus wore and i don't know possibly it stayed on his head all the way till when he was crucified possibly as he hung on the cross it was still on his head possibly Maybe after he died and they took him down from the cross. Maybe that's when it fell and hit the ground and rolled and stopped at your feet. But you reached down, you picked it up. If this crown could speak, what would it say? Would it use words like pain, humility, suffering? What else could a crown of thorns say? Maybe sorrow? Have you ever thought of wearing a crown of thorns for Jesus? He wore a crown of thorns for you. Have you ever thought of wearing a crown of thorns for Jesus? Now the crown of thorns I'm referring to is not what I'm holding here. No, I'd like you to turn in your Bible to the right, to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number three. So after Romans and 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philippians chapter number three. Philippians chapter number 3. And I would like you to read one verse out loud together with me. And that's verse number 10. The Apostle Paul wrote this book of Philippians. And, and chapter 3 verse 10 is a powerful verse. Very powerful. Speaking of a closeness with Jesus Christ. So verse 10. Would you read it now out loud with me? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now for someone who doesn't understand, that sounds kind of morbid. It sounds dark and gloomy. Yet for the Christian man or woman who understands, there's a special fellowship only found through suffering. Suffering is not something that we go out and look for. We're not ever told to go out and invite suffering. But I'll tell you this. If you live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have some suffering. Someone says, well, I don't like suffering. Can I live for Jesus and not suffer? The answer is no. As I understand the Bible, the answer to that is no. Because the Bible says, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to grab you and jam one of these on your head. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to beat you with a cat of nine tails, this uh, horrible lashing, this scourging they gave Jesus. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to take you and drive nails through your hands or feet. It doesn't necessarily mean that at all. Down through the last 2,000 years, some Christian men and women have suffered more than what you and I'll ever go through. And they paid the ultimate cost of living for Jesus. They paid it with their life blood. They're martyrs for Jesus. Famous missionary Jim Elliott 1956, I believe. Pastor Devian, is that right, 56? He and four or five other faithful missionaries trying to reach the Aka Indians with the gospel were speared to death by certain Aka Indians lying in ambush waiting for them. That's how they, they died. On the mission field serving the Lord, they're in heaven. Their death caused a huge outcry around the world but it led to the entire Aka tribe getting saved. It led to countless men and women stepping up to volunteer for missionary service around the world. God makes no mistakes. So I'm not saying that you or I will be speared or crucified but I'm saying this. God says there is a special fellowship with Jesus Christ that's only found as we suffer. Some of that suffering may be humiliating comments made behind your back at work or at school. Some of that suffering may be the loss of friends or so-called friends, people you thought were your friends—till they found out you wanted to live your life for Jesus and then they turned their back on you. They say, We're not going that way. For some, possibly, suffering may involve the loss of job. It could even possibly cause a split in a family. Oh, there's, I suppose, countless ways of suffering. But the thing is, are we willing to live for Jesus? If we're willing to live for Jesus, then we're going to want to know Him. The power of His resurrection. There's great power available to the Christian man or woman who will live for Jesus. God will put special power in that person's life. But there will probably also come some sort of suffering as well. Many, many years ago, my lower back went out on me. I had what was called, the doctors called it, stenosis in my spine, my lower spine. You've got all these nerves running down your spinal column. They go down into your legs. And the lower portion of my spinal column got squeezed by this stenosis. And the pains it caused were incredible. I've, I've never felt pains like that ever before in my life. And I cried out to the Lord, What's happening? Take it away. But the Lord didn't take it away. But then I noticed something. All the while that I was suffering, and I literally was on two canes walking. Maybe a few of you will remember that years ago here in this church. But I noticed that as I was suffering, God was blessing the church, and the church was growing. And we were having victory and revival and great things were happening. And when I saw that, I said, thank you, Lord, for this suffering. I am willing to put up with this pain for the rest of my life if it will mean the increase in joy and revival and the blessing of the church and the ability to do great things for God. And after a few months of growth, it all tapered off. And then I started thinking, well, maybe it's time to ask God to heal me. And I prayed about it, and the Lord laid on my heart to ask the church people to pray for me. Did you know there's tremendous power when God's people get together and pray? Did you know that? And I had asked you folks to pray for me, and I saw a bunch of heads nod. Yeah, we'll pray for you, Pastor. And oh, about two weeks later, one day I just kind of realized my back isn't hurting as much as it did. And I thought, maybe it's just an off day. (laughs) And the next day was the same. And the day after that was the same. And finally I threw away the cane. And I realized that God had answered the prayers of his people. And God had touched down and did a healing on my lower back. Hallelujah. But through the suffering was the power, the power of God in verse 10. Power. But then there's the suffering that comes with it. The old patriarch Jacob, he spent a whole night alone wrestling with God and God blessed him and gave him great power. But at the same time, if you remember the story, I believe it's in Genesis 32. You remember the story, the Lord touched his Thigh and it went out a joint, and he had pain, and he limped for the rest of his life. But with that pain came that power of God in his life, and his life was changed from that moment on. You see, suffering's really not that bad, God knows what He's doing. And for the Christian man or woman who says, I want to live my life for Jesus Christ. God will say, let's go into business together. I'll pour my power, my mighty power into your life. I may have to add some suffering. It may be in the form of physical pain. It may be in the form of heartache. Your heart may break over something. But you leave that in God's hands? You see, there really is a crown of thorns that we can wear for Jesus. Not this physical type here but maybe an unseen type a spiritual type the question is will you wear a crown for Jesus here on earth let that be your crown let you wear it proudly in service of your king As he wore a crown of thorns for you, so likewise be willing to wear a crown of suffering for him. Be willing and let the Lord lead. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.